Hello and welcome to another episode of Joe Blogs About Films. Thank you so much again for clicking on the podcast and wishing you and your family a very, very Merry Christmas. Hope you've had a great time and say festivities. Oh, it's just a wonderful time, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's so, so lovely this time of year. Hope you're as well looking forward to New Year's. But thank you as always for clicking on the podcast and for sharing, listening, however it is. Really, really is appreciated. Uh, this episode is the Christmas and end of year special. It'll be pr- pretty much the final podcast of 2021. And like I say, I really do appreciate you guys listening in. And, and if you've if you've listened to it throughout since I started this in May I just can't thank you enough it's so so lovely so again thank you ever so much but here on this episode this Christmas and end of year special I'm going to be going over some of my favorite films favorite Christmas films that I watch this time of year obviously we all have our firm favorites there's there's some you know iconic films out there but everyone in particular has got their favorites I'm just going to kind of just go over there I'm not going to go through and regurgitate the plots and stuff because most of which you'll have probably seen anyways but just going to yeah go over that and of course as well because it's the end of year special I'm going to also include my top films of the year or what films I've enjoyed a lot well the most this year because uh, there's been a quite a fair fair few of them um sadly still not seen the matrix so apologies matrix fans it's not going to be included in this if it's your particular favorite film of the year or in your list of favorite films of the year you can just have a go at me for not including it it's absolutely fine but i will be that will pretty much i think be the first review uh podcast episode of 2022 so stick around well look out for that rather but anyways back to what we're here for so yeah we're going to include obviously my favorite films at the end of this podcast towards the end even uh but yeah christmas films it's just that that time of year again where we can look through i'm i am a, a real sucker for like literally getting the tv guide and like rummaging through what christmas films run over the festive period and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie i was pretty disappointed i know that we've got netflix and we've got amazon prime and disney this that and the other that we can stream films on but you know i don't know like i i'm still like kind of like a sucker for just watching films on the tv at this time because i feel that's the don't know you with friends and family and you want to just make the most of what's on the tv without having to like you know just mess around this whatever's on but i do feel this year has been a little bit underwhelming maybe even maybe that maybe it's been like that for a few years now i don't know but in particular this year i thought the tv choices or film choices were pretty pretty poor um but like i said i'm gonna go over my favorite christmas films also some special mentions and of course some films that I've never seen before around the Christmas time that I watched for the first time. There might be a few in there that'll be a few surprises, I would say. Um, but these are in no particular order. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll let you know, let you in on what my favourite Christmas film is of all time. Um, but we're just going to go over them and, and just I don't know, just just have a have a good old chat. So you've had a lovely Christmas, but here we go, diving straight in. I'm going to start with Gremlins because uh, pop culture icon Mogwai Gizmo is just just an amazing an amazing creation. Of course, obviously Steven Spielberg had his hand in Gremlins, but it's directed by Joe Dante, written as well by Chris Columbus, who's done some tremendous work as well in his back catalogue. Obviously, this film depicting a, a young a young boy Billy who is given a present, uh, which is Mogwai, and it unleashes havoc um, and mischievousness across this very very small town. And this is one of those films as well where you know when you watch a film and, and you remember seeing it for the first time like I genuinely remember seeing this film for the first time sitting down with my dad to watch it and him telling me about oh yeah this film's like really really iconic in itself and this must have been in the obviously late 90s when I first watched this and it's that kind of like because we because you know it's a 15 as well and you're like oh should I be watching this and then you see all this like carnage unfold when obviously the Grem- when the Mogwais become the gremlins and you're like this is there's some pretty like scary moments in this film but I, I think the tension that's built up in this is so so good but the story in itself it's just a great great story and I, and I still have that heartache at the end of the film when obviously Gizmo has to go back to uh, yeah to, to the original owner of, of the Mogwai but all all in all like I think that it's just a fantastic like creation I mean obviously now you can't go into any film you can't go into any film shops or any pop culture shops like Forbidden Planet or whatever and not see something Gremlins related or not see Gizmo or whatever uh, I even have a plush toy of Gizmo which is like one of my favorite things I've ever got but yeah like Gremlins in itself 
such a great great idea of a film of obviously incorporating these three rules as well you know don't get in front of the bright lights daylight obviously in particular will kill them don't get them wet don't feed them after midnight it's it just is such a clever clever and you know you, you look at gizmo and then you look at like grogu from from the mandalorian it's that similar kind of like traits of obviously some some creature that's can't help what it is and you just want to look after it like a pet almost and i think that yeah just such a fantastic fantastic film directed by joe dante and just well just like a great christmas film like it is one of those films again that like it's a christmas film but you can watch this at any time of year really um one of the scenes as well it's like there's some real dark moments in this film that there are some like in particular when um billy's girlfriend's character obviously kate uh portrayed by phoebe cates when she you know tells that harrowing story what happened to her dad and you're like well Merry Christmas, everyone. Like the story of him trying to surprise them by coming down the chimney dressed as Santa and obviously falling and sadly dying from it. It's so, so like bleak in this in this film that's obviously got some great moments and great like family feel. And that's the thing. The thing that drives this for me is family within this film. But then there's these moments, say, especially when obviously the gremlins do get loose and start causing havoc where you are just like, this is this is really, really dark at times and it wants to be. But I think it's really really great i absolutely love gremlins i'm sure many people do as well but it's up there for me as one of my all-time favorite films i'm actually sat recording this podcast in a gremlins t-shirt actually i just noticed so yeah very 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 big fan of gremlins and uh, all around just think it's a just a great great film um going to stick with obviously the writer chris columbus who obviously wrote gremlins there as well but he has given us one of the all-time classics which is home alone got to be included in this list and in fact if i'm being honest i think th- there's always a debate obviously about die hard around christmas whether that is a christmas film or not i enjoy that debate i obviously have my opinions on it this that and the other uh but i also i feel that but this year i feel that the, the debate i've seen the most on twitter on social media etc is which home alone's better one or two um obviously because the first two are the best and and you I, I push i can deal with three i do i don't mind three my sister's favorite home alone films three which is quite questionable but you know the first two films are so so good i say chris columbus again with this fantastic idea and, and just well thought out out story and script and i do i can see the argument and i can see why people would be like well i think the second one's better i think the first one the original, i mean for me like i'm just gonna i'm including the first one because i I've, i really do like the original is always best for me like I, I love the second one as well there's some great characters in there tim curry's character in the second one as well is fantastic um but I, I i really enjoy the first one a lot more i find like the whole battle plan and such that he does in the first one just just so so good so clever and so ingenious at times that it's hard to kind of it is difficult to pick a favorite out of the two out of the first two but i will always stick with the first one that's actually the film that we watched on christmas eve home alone uh the score as well absolutely fantastic as well the score in this film and just all right like you know when you hear you hear that opening melody and you're like ah we're watching home alone he's you know it's, it's, it's one of those like sticks into your head a bit like the jurassic park theme almost like you can't not think of christmas and think of home alone when you hear that opening score. And I, I think it's just a really, really great film. There's some great laugh-out-loud moments in there. John Williams again, sorry, I should have mentioned, obviously, it's John, of course it's John Williams who did the score for uh, for Home Alone. But yeah, really, really excellent film. is. And uh, again, debate away if you want. You could carry on that debate. I will get in on it if you want to. But whichever you prefer, Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2, do let me know because I, I think both are absolutely great in their own right. I still haven't watched the newest one, Home Sweet Home Alone, because let's just not. Let's just, let's not even go there. I mean, from the trailers from the get-go, I was like, I am not 
not doing that. Uh, jumping ahead, I'm going to go with Elf because I really enjoy watching this film at, at, at Christmas time. I think that it's 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 one it's a it's been a grower for me if I'm being honest. Like I, I've never not I've never disliked it or anything. It's just that it's not one that I've jumped like I'm, I'm like oh, I need to watch Elf. Like this is it. If we don't watch Elf, then Christmas is ruined, kind of thing. But directed by the fantastic John Favreau, you only have to listen to a number of my podcasts on on my channel to know how much I really appreciate and love John Favreau's work. I mean, not only did he give us Iron Man, obviously and Grogu with the Mandalorian and such, but he also gave us this this absolute gem of a Christmas film, which is Elf, and it's another one of those films that I'm really, really glad that they never did a sequel. I know that there was, I think there was talks of a potential sequel, but I think let's just leave this as it is. I think that there's a great cast in there, some real, real great performances. Will Ferrell as Buddy is absolutely ingenious. Like, he's fantastic. Like, he is so, so good. Like, he just captivates just this, well, man-child almost is the best I could describe it, this child that was obviously taken back to the, the North Pole by accident, and then obviously his Time to come back to New York kind of thing to, well, like find his true father kind of thing and how things are so different in the real world. And great work as well, as I say, from James Kahn as well, who plays his dad, that, that kind of like butting heads and such of, of these two completely different people. It just makes for some really, really entertaining uh, moments in there. And, and that's the thing as well with this film is that, you know, it's really like about acceptance and that, you know, people are different, especially when you've got this stuck up father figure and not really accepting who this or who his son is. You know, by the end of it, you know, they're all together and, and they're a family and that's what Christmas pretty much is about. You know, everyone is different, but you come together and you celebrate it together as, as a family and, I just think it's great. It's just really, really great. And it, you know, all comes around in the end. And obviously you've got the love interest as well of Zoe Dachanel as Jovi. It is just wonderful. It's such a lovely film. Also Bob Newhart as well as Papa Ralph. I, I love Bob Newhart. And I think that's kind of because I've this year in particular binged the entire Big Bang Theory a couple of times and having him in there as uh, Professor Proton as well. I just think Bob Newhart as well is so, so good in this film. But Will Ferrell steals the show, obviously. It's his film. That's what he does. It's just some great, great moments in there, particularly like just him going through the streets and such, or the reaction to Santa coming to the store. The list is endless when it comes to Elf. It's a real, real great film and definitely on my list of like films that I would definitely go to as uh, yeah, as ones to watch over the Christmas period. Uh, jumping now to The Grinch, because let's be honest, like again... This film, like, I, I, I love Jim Carrey's work. I've always loved Jim Carrey's work. I love the films in particular, like, where we, you know, we get full-on Jim Carrey, but then ones that are, like, kind of, you wouldn't expect him to be in those roles, like the number 23, or in particular, obviously, The Truman Show, which is a fantastic piece of work as well that he's done, one of his best films in his entire career. But then you've got The Grinch and such in there, where, you know, when, a, when, when an actor really, really kind of puts himself in that role and becomes that character, you know you're on for a huge, huge, huge success and I think The Grinch is one of those films and I genuinely remember seeing this at the cinema when it first came out like I genuinely and it kind of upsets me a little bit that the film's kind of gone through different name changes over the years like now it's called like I know it's based on the book of such by Dr. Seuss but now it's called How the Grinch Stole Christmas but just 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 leave it as it was like it's fine just to call it the Grinch but Ron Howard who's done some some up you know he's done some great work as well in his career but this for me is like easily like my favorite film that he's done because again just a film that really cements Christmas in there and, and to kind of fill out and pad out, sorry, the story of The Grinch because the book's not, like, too big or anything. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a kid's book at the end of the day. You can't have, like, a full-on novel. But they made this film so entertaining. They, they brought some new layers to The Grinch's character. But overall, like, it's just so well performed by Jim Carrey like the 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 effort and the time and the everyone involved obviously and the hours that Jim Carrey put in obviously having those well becoming the Grinch I think it's about like three four hours or something he was sat in the makeup chair having that all done to him just so so good and easily like 
my definite like I would say it's joint favorite Christmas film because the next one I'm going to talk about is is easily my favorite Christmas film uh, ever. But yeah, just overall fantastically put together. And the other thing that I love about the Grinch as well is they created Whoville so beautifully. Like I really felt like when you're watching this film, you are taken to Whoville, and it is. A completely separate world almost like it just looks amazing like for me i'm just straight up like i want to go christmas there like i want to have christmas in hoover because everything seems just amazing and full of wonder and, and having obviously all these people so excited for christmas and obviously you've got the grinch just really really complete polar opposite to these to these who who's living down in Whoville. I, I just think it's such a fantastic, fantastic film. And it really does, like, if anything says Christmas to me, it's this film and the next film that I'm going to talk about. But Taylor Momsen as well, obviously part of the Pretty Reckless. If you've not caught the Pretty Reckless as music before, do check them out. I've seen them live as well. Really great live band, really great band in fairness. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan, but I don't, I, you can appreciate their work, sorry. But Taylor Momsen with Cindy Lou, who obviously has that wonderful track, uh, Where Are You Christmas, sorry, which is... Um, Again, lovely, and it, it, it's just everyone involved, everything, like I said, the, the relationship as well between the Grinch and Cindy Lou is, is wonderful, it's beautiful, it blossoms over the course of the film, and again, it's just got that great amount of heart in there, and I, I really, really love the Grinch, so yes, definitely up there with probably, like I said, my joint favourite Christmas film, which brings me to my all-time favourite Christmas film, uh, and this is one that I absolutely love watching, All like, it's one of those where like I, I, I really wait until like December hits, I'm like, any excuse to get this film on, I will watch this. Released in 1989, I'm going with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation because I absolutely, absolutely love this film. Like I beyond, like I remember when my dad showed me this film, and it was like laugh out loud, belly laughs on the floor, like Chevy Chase as Clark Griswold just so good this character that just wants to have the perfect family christmas and everything is going wrong everything's coming around him obviously he's got those other layers as well like he's putting on this front of wanting just everyone to have a great time but inside he's like relying on this christmas bonus that's coming his way so he can put in a pool for the family and it's just everything that can go wrong goes wrong you've got the iconic scene as well when he's getting all these like Christmas lights put up on his house and it's like Las Vegas on a house pretty much and the lights won't come on. It's just, I just love that relationship between Clark and Ellen as well, obviously as as, man, as husband and wife. So I think it's just wonderful. You've got Ellen who's kind of like, going along with it really just wanting to make sure again obviously everyone's having a good Christmas but the more importantly that she's enjoying it as well but when you've got someone like Clark Griswold as your husband it's very difficult at times to kind of I don't know like enjoy the holiday because it's just everything is just so like it has to be perfect like has to has to be perfect and it just brings some absolutely excellent laughs if it's not these if it's not these two and if it's not this family sorry of having a bit of a difficult time with the other family members it's you've got the neighbor characters as well having a pretty bleak time as well living next door to him it's just wonderful and obviously you've got a a a, a very young Johnny Galecki playing Rusty. I'm, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right there, but of course you'll be familiar with him as Leonard from The Big Bang Theory. Um, but overall, like I said, I just think this is just an absolutely fantastic film. So good. But again, like I mentioned before, the driving force of this film is family. Like, it is all for the family. Like, even when his, even when Cousin Eddie rocks up in his absolute horrendous RV, again, because Clark's kind of saving, saving face, it's like, well, I can't turn him away because the family and I want them to also have a good Christmas as well. So he's really juggling everything in this film and it makes for some real, real great moments to say, some real laugh out loud moments and just just wonderful and a great performance as well because Chevy Chase is I know I know there's behind the scenes issues and such I know that there's been a lot about him where he is quite difficult to work with from what I hear or worked with sorry from what I from what I've heard and such um but it takes nothing away from this film because it is so so bloody good like I said again talk about theme tunes as well this one has got an absolute belting one like I cannot help but sing Christmas Vacation as soon as that comes in on this film 
it's an instant sing-along. It is so, so good. Like, I, I love this film. And again, thanks to my dad for that one because it is easily one of the best Christmas films that there's been. So now I'm going to jump to obviously some special mentions because I feel like if I didn't at least mention... Muppets Christmas Carol, I think that people would genuinely kick off me. They'd be like, what are you playing at? Like, but yeah, again, really, really great film. Like Muppets, Muppets Christmas Carol is one of those where if you see that it's on on TV, I'm always just popping it on. I'm like, yep, I'll enjoy this. It's no no problem whatsoever. I mean, the Muppets themselves are just just great all around, but doing the Christmas Carol was a real, real great, um, yeah, great idea to do. And yeah, I, again, seeing loads of people talk about this on social media, how much they love that film as well. And easily have to at least mention it. Uh, the other thing I want to mention as well is Claws, which is on Netflix. That was a film that we watched last year for the film first time i think it came out in 2019 if i'm correct uh, but i again thought that was a really really lovely film and again one of the better recent christmas films that have come out uh, i just double checked and it did indeed come out in 2019 this is a film that i would love to own in my collection but obviously i know it's fine because it's on netflix but i'm a physical copy nerd so um but yeah really really enjoyed claws i thought it was amazing and uh, jk simmons as well playing uh, the, the the title character there just just great story and this like this this story of obviously the origin of santa claus i, I think that netflix pulled it out of the bag with this one because could have been a big miss, but it certainly isn't. If you've not seen that, make sure you check that out as well. Uh, Die Hard's including that in my special mention list as well, because like I said earlier, there's always that debate around Die Hard and when, or, or if, sorry, it was a, a Christmas film or not. Um, I always go on with this one with me, is when when was Die Hard released? Which it turns out it was released in July of 1988. So for me, it's like... I don't know, like that for me, like kind of pushes it a bit as to whether it should be included. I mean, I know it's set at Christmas and I'm all for watching this at Christmas, but whether you want to um, say it's a Christmas film, I, th I think leave it up to you. I think that's entirely your decision, but I'm going on the basis that it was released in July. It's, I know it's based at Christmas, but because it was released at July, it's just an action film set at Christmas. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but for me, base it all purely on the release date. And I'm probably going to get people be like, I'm not listening to this guy again. He talks rubbish. Um, my final special mention I'm going to go with is another more recent one, which is Christmas Chronicles. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the first one. I didn't mind the second one that's come out on, on Netflix again. But I just think that Kurt Russell is the best <laughs> Santa Claus ever. Like, holy smokes, like really really great portrayal of Santa Claus and he just seemed cool man like he just seemed like the coolest guy ever so I'm sticking with that I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna go with the first one that one because like I said the, the first is brilliant and the second one is is fine it's all right like it's not nowhere near as good as what the first one was but hey they never are if I've already mentioned already like Home Alone the debate with that I'm going to let you debate about which is best Christmas Chronicles. But I'm again, this is just my special mention. There's some real, real iconic films on there, as I say, like Miracle on 34th Street, this, that, and the other. Like, I know there's some real, real big, big Christmas films that I've not really spoke about or touched upon, but hey, I'm just going on what I watch over Christmas. So I'm sure you guys will let me know as well what your favourite films are this time of year. But there's just so many to choose from that it is a bit, like, overwhelming at times. But hey... There we go. Uh, this comes because I know I've meant there's a few that I'm going to mention in my films I watch for the first time right now. Um, so I'm going to include some that may be your favourite films of Christmas time anyways. But for me, for the, my first viewing over this time of year, I watched Deck the Halls for the first time, which I thought was a good laugh. Like, not the best Christmas film at all, but I do think that having Danny DeVito in a Christmas film is always going to be a win. I mean, you could even argue as well that Batman Returns could be a Christmas film as well, based on when that's set. But again, that's another discussion for another day. Uh, but Deck the Halls really is fun with Matthew Broderick and uh, Danny DeVito released in 20, uh, sorry, 2006, sorry. Just that kind of like, you know, rivals between neighbours uh, with Christmas lights and Danny DeVito wanting his house to be seen from space and such. It's just a real, real fun film. I do believe it's on Amazon or Netflix, one of the two. So if you've not seen that, again, I know it's Boxing Day, but do check it out. It's a good laugh. It's got some great moments in there. I like the kind of 
like stick up the butt like kind of uh, character that Matthew Broderick is this kind of like you know like Christmas is my thing I'm the Christmas guy kind of thing and Danny DeVito is just this kind of like free spirit and uh, yeah real real great dynamic between the two of them uh, the other film that I watched for the first time this Christmas time was The Holiday which was okay like it's just a nice run in the mill very lovely Christmas film two sets of couples or four characters in total that we're focusing on and their stories obviously from Kate Winslet's going from England over to, to the States and Cameron Diaz coming over from the States to, to England and how those these this this story unravels really and their relationships with the characters they meet. Obviously you've got the wonderfully handsome and dashing Jude Law and then you've got Jack Black in America. Which I I, I mean that's the only, that's my only criticism with that film is that any film that tries to make me think that Kate that, that Kate Winslet and Jack Black would ever get together what can I say like it's just a little bit unbelievable then again we're talking about these this circumstance and situation that is a little bit of time unbelievable but it's a good film although I would like to say that as well the ending is a little bit like up in the air like I want to know what happens next did they live happily ever after what 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 happened they just kind of have a dance at the house together and it's all like yay and then then it's done and I'm like well I, I need closure on this like it's Christmas don't leave me like with unanswered questions it's not fair so yes the holiday is fine. I just think there's a, there's a few things in there. But again, I've just I've probably just been a, I'm being really nitpicky there. I, I didn't mind it at all. Like I say, it was fun. It had some great moments. I laughed a fair bit in it. I thought it was fine. Much better than what I was probably expecting it to be. So, and you could be saying, why have you not watched it until now? And you would definitely say that about the next film in a second. But I don't know. Just never really kind of drawn to it. But I I specifically made an effort this year to watch films I'd not seen before at Christmas time. Which brings me to my final discussion point and final Xmas film that I'm going to talk about, which I think is a good film. There are some things in this film that have not aged very well, but all around I can understand fully why people love this film. It was on TV on Christmas Day last night, caught a bit of it again, but it was the first time this year that I watched Love Actually. Don't hit me, honestly. Don't come at me with your pitchforks and your knives and your fire and this, that and the other. Like, honestly... I've just never really been too fussed about watching it because I have a very, I'm very wary of films with a massive, massive major cast. Like I've seen too many films that have had excellent casts and it been absolute trash. It's just a kind of an unwritten law, isn't it? Or unwritten rule, sorry, I should say, where just don't overcast. I mean, the only films that you can get away with that are probably like the superhero films, I would say, because they've been kind of like developing these characters over a course of 20 odd films or whatever. So the likes of Avengers, that, that that's fine. That's separate kind of thing. But when you get a story like, look at that New Year's Eve film or whatever they did. Why? why? Like, you know what I mean? Like, th- Just because it's got so many big names in does not mean people are going to enjoy the film. And, and, and that's honestly why I kind of shied away from Love Actually. Because um, again, like I have no problem with the dynamics of the film or the fact that it's like kind of love and relationships and such. Like I think they, they can make some great character piece films and such. But Love Actually was always a film that I was never really too like in a rush to watch purely because I didn't want... I think as well, you know, when people big these films up and they're like, it's the greatest film ever. It's the best Christmas film, blah, blah. it's kind of like you don't want to watch it and then think oh no it's not it really isn't like it is great don't get me wrong I think I think it's great but like I said I, I always kind of shy away from those kind of big casting films there's just a few things in there like why is Andrew Lincoln this big sociopath <laughs> like like the, the the footage and such of him filming of, of Kieran Knightley at their wed, uh, wedding and such is uh, I mean talk about like being a bit of a crap mate to your to it's obviously you're, you're you're the best man essentially of 
of your mate's wedding, like, and you're after his after his missus. Like, what's all that about? Like, I know it makes for a good story, and it plays on the heartstrings and la di da, and the infamous kind of card sequence when he opens the door and he's like, "Oh, tell it's Christmas carols, this, that, and the other." I don't know. Like, it just again kind of leaves you. That story never comes to kind of a resolve. I mean, most of the stories, in fact, don't really come to too much of a resolve in this, but I can live with that because, like I say, it is a good film. It's just that Andrew Lincoln's a massive sociopath. By the way, I'm not going to sit here and just be like, I'm going to rip this film apart. Like, yes, there are moments in this film that have aged really badly, um, but there's some great moments in there as well. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just mention the sociopath that is actually in this film, and I'll leave all my other, my other nitpicks aside because it's Christmas, and I'm, I want to be on the nice list. So, there are a few other things that I wasn't too fussed about in this film, but there's some real fantastic characters in this, like Bill Nye's character. Honestly, like absolutely fantastic, and it's one of those where, like, because my dad used to go on about, you need to watch Love Actually, you need to watch Love Actually, and it's like a film that I would genuinely love to just be like, fine, I've seen it now, let's talk about it, kind of thing. But yeah, directed by Richard Curtis and written by Richard Curtis, it's got a huge cast in there, and you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It's just there's some great moments in there, some real, real great moments. I think Liam Neeson's story as well, like, it's one of those that kind of gets overlooked, but not overlooked, but like it's a real like love relationship in there as well because you've got this kid that starts off by calling Liam Neeson as, as Dan uh, you know doesn't call him dad or whatever um, and then by the end of the film obviously he's, he's the stepdad of the uh, of the child by the end of the film the kid is calling him dad and I think that's again a lovely lovely little story that, that pans out within the film I think it's a great kind of bond father-son bond in uh, yeah between the two of them I think it's great Hugh Grant as well I mean he'd do a better job than what Boris is at number 10 let's be honest I think we should call him in straight up and he probably would have sorted this all out he'd have closed the borders for stars when COVID kicking off and I think Hugh Grant deserved to, yeah deserved a little bit of happiness in this film but also that's how a Prime Minister should be dancing round to jump not freaking having Christmas parties when the rest of us are locked up but I'm not being bitter about that let's be honest it's Christmas I want to stay on the nice side so yes Christmas films there you go some of my favourites there and obviously special mentions but also films I've watched for the first time yes I know you're probably thinking how is it taking you this long to watch Love Actually or The Holiday just just I don't know like I've literally just like I said I, I think I think I get my reasons anyways but by the by I've watched them now so I can enjoy them all so more as Christmas comes around so yeah Merry Christmas everyone uh, which brings me very nicely to my final kind of segment of this podcast episode and again I really do appreciate you listening to this episode this Christmas and end of year special uh, which is going to go over the top films of the year or my favourite films of the year and I'm not really going to put these into any particular order I'm just going to go over what I enjoyed about them and, and obviously you can listen to the full episodes because I, I went through every podcast well no, I didn't listen to them but I looked at the films that I'd uh, I'd spoke about and gone right okay yeah that was one of my favourites so yeah that's how I've done this uh, I'm just going to kick off by saying Godzilla vs as Kong is a very personal choice, I should say, for me. Me and my dad absolutely loved, or have, I've, I've loved the Godzilla films throughout, like and as many of them as I possibly could watch as a kid. Obviously, after the 1998 version, which obviously I know is very, very hit and miss and divisive conversation piece. Um, but that was a film that really got me into Godzilla, and I watched all the originals, you know, just following that, and then I've followed the monster verses. It's gone on. Kind of re- was really looking forward to Godzilla versus Kong. It, it was a massive step up for me, anyways, in comparison to Godzilla, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, because I enjoyed King of the Monsters. Like I, I did enjoy it, but I still felt very underwhelmed with it. Whereas Godzilla versus Kong was everything I wanted, to do, everything I wanted it to be. Sorry, and more beautiful looking film absolutely stunning to watch like it was really good the cgi was beyond like, unbelievable at times but the use of color as well in this film was perfect like the neon in particular the battle in tokyo is just so so good um i love this film the and we got mecha godzilla so there you go like what what a winner what a winning combination kong godzilla 
coming together to tackle Mecha Godzilla was just oh, just just jaw dropping. Like so good. So like I say, visually absolutely stunning. So so good. Uh, and then I'm going to go to the Suicide Squad. I love this film. This was up there until Spider Man came out as like my favorite superhero film of all time. I'm not saying it was, but it was one of the better ones. Don't get me wrong. Like I really enjoyed the Suicide Squad an awful lot. Like I thought James Gunn and Co have done such a good job with it. Like it was the most James Gunn film that I could really like imagine ever coming out at the cinema. Like it really incorporated everything and everything that he'd ever done. I think that he did a real great job with these characters because there's a lot of characters in that film, so many characters, and I felt like he did an amazing job with them, all of them. It gave them enough screen time, enough character development, so we cared about them, we cared about the story, and made characters that you thought would be trash great, like Polka Dot Man. Why did I... You're just like, I loved Polka Dot Man in this film, like, probably more so than the other characters. Idris Elba as well's performance is excellent, but... I really liked Polka Dot Man. And there's a sentence I never thought I'd be saying, like, honestly. So, yeah, really, really great film. Excellent film from James Gunn. Just brilliant. Like Again, a really, really great superhero film. Great film. Uh, Last Night in Soho, I'm going to go with next as well. Edgar Wright, again, one of my favourite film directors. Such a great, great, just, yeah, director, obviously. Uh, but Last Night in Soho was something he'd never really done before, coming down like horror routes, thriller routes, and bringing, again, incorporating other stuff that he'd done. Those classic camera angles of Edgar Wright, but also, like, take new takes on that story, like new twists and turns and such, and really, really didn't see how this ending was going to go down, and I felt like it was a very, very good piece of work from Edgar Wright. So definitely deserve to be on this list as well sticking with the thriller and horror aspect because A Quiet Place 2 came out earlier this year you may have forgot about that one but yes A Quiet Place Part 2 John Krasinski's A Quiet Place Part 2 was so good like carrying on this fantastic story I mean I love the first one don't get me wrong but the the progression of this film and the second one in particular like managing to keep up those scares and keep us on his toes a little bit more was just so good and the use of sound as well like obviously when you've got characters in there who have got you know uh, hearing impairments and such it's really like great how they can cut the sound out so you can feel and feel disoriented at times as much as as much as the characters can and I think that it was so so well done and Killian Murphy as well really great alongside Emily Blunt just fantastic film a great great sequel and some scares in this film was so so good and I really really hope that they do another one um, I know they're talking about doing a spin-off but I really want to see more of these characters I really want to see more and where this goes next because there's some great great development in this film that needs to be continued uh, I'm then going to go to Ghostbusters Afterlife this was just wonderful this was a more recent podcast episode that I'd done which is available obviously to listen to as all of these films are but Ghostbusters Afterlife really really kept that heart and feel of the original one yes there's fan service in there yes it's too nostalgia driven at times if you want to argue that but like I said I for one of on my podcast was completely like I see and hear your points but I am just not going to listen to you because I think it was so well done Jason Reitman carrying on from his father's work just brought Ghostbusters back to us and really really just ran with it like I loved this film Paul Rudd was excellent in this film as well McKenna Grace as well, I believe that's her name, was really, really excellent. I thought that all the characters in this um, were just absolutely 10 out of 10. Like I, I feel like, as, say, as Ghostbusters films go, this is easily just one of the better ones. Like I love the second one as well, but this, I don't know if this pips it for me, uh, but like I say, McKenna Grace's performance as Phoebe in this really, really outshone. And, and her and the character podcast, uh, you know, when they were together on screen, it was like watching like the old Ghostbusters but new, you know, watching, you know, just these, these classic characters that we're so familiar with just chatting away and having having banter. It was just excellent. Really great film. Absolutely love Ghostbusters Afterlife. Really, really top-notch. Some real great emotion in there. And like I say, it, 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 it made me, like I say, very emotional in the cinema watching this film because perfect. Really, really excellent. 
No Time to Die. What a film this was. The last Daniel Craig out in, like, so, so good. I've loved and enjoyed Daniel Craig as James Bond. Like, I think for me, like, I've never been the massive Bond fan. Like, I've enjoyed the ones that I've seen. I like, you know, revisiting some of the very older ones and such. But Daniel Craig's Bond really is just, like, it's just, it was, it's just a great journey. And it's great as well because I was worried that we weren't going to, you know, if Spectre was his last film it was going to be, I'd have been a little bit disappointed because I felt that Spectre was a real, real dip compared to, like, the likes of Skyfall and... Like I said, even Casino Royale, I love Casino Royale, and Quantum of Solace as well, very, very good. Not as good as Casino Royale or Skyfall, but it's still, you know, he's got Daniel Craig, and so I'll live with it. But, like, I would have been really disappointed if Spectre was going to be Daniel Craig's last film, but thankfully it wasn't. And I, I just really can't, uh, like, praise everyone involved with this No Time to Die, because there's some real great moments in there, and stuff that, like, you wouldn't really expect to be in a Bond film. Like, I mentioned in my podcast originally, like, the opening of the film, like, there's some real, like, kind of horror elements in there, because this is obviously directed by uh, Kari Joki Fukunaga, and there's some real, like, kind of, like, moments of suspense in there where you're like, holy hell, like, this is, this is, like, quite eerie and quite creepy. It's, I, I just thought it was just really, really good work, and, and again, nailed performance from Daniel Craig and the ending, like, obviously, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to, again, continue to talk about it and spoil it for anyone if you've just not seen it, but it really leaves you with this, like, uncertainty and a little bit like, where is this franchise going to go next then? Like, what's going to happen here? But, um, yeah, a round of applause for Daniel Craig as Bond. What a, what an incredible, you know, performer and actor and, and portrayal of this iconic this iconic character and the big shoes are going to be filled now. I need to be filled rather, and and you know I don't I don't envy the poor soul that's going to be coming in after Daniel Craig because he really left us on the on a very very big high note. I've got my copy of my No Time to Die steelbook as well, which arrived just before Christmas, which was lovely. So I'll be definitely watching that between now and New Year's. Don't you worry. I'm going to go next with The Guilty. I've only got a couple more films left to talk about, so don't worry. Just bear with me. Uh, the Guilty star Jake Gyllenhaal, which is a remake of a Danish film of the same name, I do believe and uh, this is on Netflix now it's available it's a film that I really like obviously I just chucked it on Netflix I thought yeah I'll give it a watch but having watched it I was like oh, I should have gone to see this at the cinema like it was as a like a neutral um you know, like, because I was, uh, you know, obviously the Spider-Man, which we're going to talk about in a second, but, like, Bond as well, I was kind of, you know, I was thinking, like, oh, I don't know, you know, which I'd choose as my favourite, but if I was to go split down the middle, I would say this is probably my favourite film of the year out of, out, you know, if we're taking superheroes and Bond aside, like, this for me, really good. Just focusing solely on Jake Gyllenhaal and his, you know, in the call centre, this 911, uh, sorry, answer call, uh, that kind of just takes this huge journey and it, it, you think it's going one way, and there are so many twists and turns in this. Like, things that I didn't even see come in, which I thought were really good. And, like, again, I'm a big fan of, like, films where we are solely, like, relying on either the actor's reaction to things that have been said to him or people's voices on the phone. In particular, like, I don't know if you've seen the film Lock, starring Tom Hardy. Fantastic film, that is, again, just Tom Hardy on a drive home, which is just him answering phone calls. This kind of reminded me of that, and I think that's why I enjoyed it so much, because this police officer, obviously, Jake Gyllenhaal, has been demoted for something that he's done out in the field, and he's just doing these answering calls, and I just really enjoyed his his portrayal. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal, for me, like I, I think is, he is like one of my favourite actors. I, I think that when I watch a Jake Gyllenhaal film, I don't think I'm watching Jake Gyllenhaal. I, I genuinely believe and buy every single character that he's ever done. I think he's just a great, great performer. And there's moments in this, like I've done, I've done call center work. There's been there's points where I've wanted to just tell people to just like, what, why are you calling, kind of thing, or like just wanting to be sarky back. And I think that there's some believable reaction and responses to stuff. And and this character is so like driven and hell bent on wanting to do the right thing and and making sure this person that's on the phone that's been kidnapped is safe and such that. 
I think he just lose sight of everything else. Everything he wants to he wants to kind of make up for the wrong that he did, but by doing that and by driving himself so far to to where he gets to, it makes him just kind of like lose sight of the actual what what is right and what is wrong and protocol to start with. Um, just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I say, directed by Antoine Fuqua. Really, really excellent film. Definitely one of my favourites of the year. So arguably, I would put this as like, if, if someone was like, right, you can't pick Bond and you can't pick Spider-Man and you can't pick uh, Godzilla or you can't pick um, Ghostbusters, what's your favourite film of the year? It'd be The Guilty. So good. Again, really, really, really great film. Before we get to the final choice of mine as well, it goes without saying that I absolutely loved Dune. I thought it was outstanding. I, I say I've never read the book before either. So this was a real like kind of, new um like a new introduction to me to this incredible story like obviously the inspiration that it gave to so many other film creators the actual story of dune and such and and like i said i picked up on my podcast just so many like things that star wars got from this film i know that the critics and such were saying about how it was the next lord of the rings and everything like that but for me it was just this was jaw dropping on so many different levels you know from the set pieces you know it was very little cgi involved you've got this mega cast there timothy chalamet as well who's a great lead you know that the whole cast again i brief, briefly mentioned earlier about that sometimes you can shy away from films that have got mega cast because they can be quite trash um but this is another one of those films that they throw in so many big names that you're like is it going to be is it going to be great? Like, especially when you compare it to the original film that they did uh, that was released by David Lynch. You know, it's obviously, I know David Lynch made things a little bit different, but for this film to be so true, um, it was just an absolute amazing, amazing piece of work. And hands down, you know, I, I was just, I, I fell in love with this film. I found it all inspired. I thought it was just absolutely wonderful cinematic experience. Like, easily one of the best I've had this year. So, it has to be, has to be in my list which then brings me nicely to i've already mentioned it a couple of times already but of course i've saved this one for last because we, we you know we've done two podcasts I mean, i've done a number of podcasts in it already but spider-man no way home just i mean you've seen already online how well this film has done it has blown up the box office especially for like covid and such where people are a bit hesitant to go out and still go to the cinema and such which is understandable like do what you think is best you know play it safe this and the other I was probably not saying that the first time around when I was like, take the risk, go to the cinema and see No Way Home. I get it. No, I mean, yeah, take a risk and go see this film, of course, but, you know, do what you need to do. You know what I mean? Everyone's different, so I respect that. But Spider-Man No Way Home deserves to be seen on the big screen. It is a love letter to Spider-Man fans. It is everything and everything that I ever wanted. It is by far one of the better superhero films I've seen in a very long time. So definitely since, like, Infinity War, like, Endgame was amazing, don't get me wrong, but this pips it beyond. Like, I think this is... Such a great film, and if you've listened to my podcast, or if you've if you've seen what happened, if you've seen the film, obviously, and, and know what happens in this, then if you're a Spider-Man fan, there's no reason for you not to enjoy this film. Like, there's just it's just incredible. Like, it is so good. Like the performance as well. Sorry, of Tom Holland's Peter Parker, and this is just amazing. Like I say, his dynamic and relationship with all the characters that appear in this are fantastic to see. I think it's just an absolutely outstanding piece of work. And John Watson Co. I've already mentioned a few times already. Just deserve a massive, massive just a big pat on the back and a pay rise and make them do as many Spider-Man films as they possibly can do because I want to see bloody more of it and I don't think we'll ever get a better Spider-Man film. I, I'm not saying, I'm not like, that might sound a bit like, oh, well, that, what's the point of watching anymore? Of course I'll go see them, but I don't think they will manage to beat this ever, which is fine because we've got it and what more could we possibly want? So, yeah, I ain't going to grumble, basically. I think it was absolutely fantastic. So, so good. So there are my favourite films of the year. I hope you've enjoyed that podcast, this podcast episode as well. I hope you enjoyed the list I've just gone over. Say I don't come at me too much about the films at Christmas time that I've not seen for the first time in this year. But yeah, 
really, really, really been one heck of a year for films. It's been so, so good. As I say, there's been so many to choose from. Go back, and if you want to listen to any of the previous podcasts, then they are there for your lovely leisure. I just want to say a massive thank you before I finish to anyone who has, as I say, again, listened to this podcast throughout me starting it. I only started this podcast basically because I miss talk about films and TV with my dad, and this has been a real, real help doing this podcast. And seeing people message me, either talking about an episode that I put on, talking about, you know, in particular episodes, whatever. And even, uh, you know, when Spotify did the Spotify rap and such at the end of the year, when people were sending me screenshots of their top podcast episodes and this was in there, it was really lovely. Like, I I, I don't want to downplay that because I, it, it was, like, it's, it, yeah, made my day, really. And, and, and I've enjoyed doing this podcast so much and I'm going to continue doing this podcast for as long as I can talk, really. So... Cut out my tongue if you want me to stop, because that's the only way. Uh, but yeah, just really thank you ever so much for listening to this podcast this year in particular. It's really, really, really appreciated. And I hope you've enjoyed this one. I hope you have a lovely new year. I am looking forward to checking out The Matrix. I'm seeing it in a couple of days' time. I've kind of left it a little bit too late to talk about it in this year. But don't you worry, because the first podcast of 2022 will be The Matrix Resurrections. I'll give you a heads up there. But thank you ever so much again for listening to this Christmas and end of year special. I hope you had a lovely Christmas with friends and family. Hope you have a lovely New Year's. Until 2022, take care.